Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Preview Podcast. What a massive weekend awaits us, despite having no striker, both of our centre-backs injured, our captain out for the majority of the season and a smattering of other injuries. Sunderland quite possibly are two games from having another crack at a second promotion as we face Watford at the Stadium Light this Saturday. We're going to have 40,000 plus fans. Um, they're all expected, so the atmosphere should be hot to touch, but as always... It is the championship, so there's a fairly solid outfit, or at least we think so, who will be hoping to extinguish our player Forbes in the shape of Watford. And to help us, or to let us know if that is a possibility, which I'm hoping they're going to say is not, is two guests this week, which is always a pleasure to have two, from the excellently named Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast, first and foremost. It's uh, Peter. Peter, how are you, mate? You okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, thank you. Very good. Thanks for having us, Graham. Not a problem, mate. Thanks for coming on. And Justin, Justin, how are you? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Something though, a win this weekend would be massive um, for what was, to be honest, an unlikely promotion push a few weeks ago. For Watford, you, you come to the stadium light in 13th, you're six points away from the top six, two to play. The goal difference isn't great in comparison to the teams that you could catch, even if you won both games and only the teams lost. I imagine even the most optimistic Watford fan, Peter, has kind of resigned themselves to another season in the Championship. Oh, yeah, no, technically we, we can't get there because of... Um... A couple of the teams playing them playing each other in the playoffs will definitely get beyond us. So, you know, it's one of those that looks mathematically possible, but it, it's just not. So, no, no, we are fully resigned to the fact that we are in the championship. But in fairness, the supporters and anybody who's been watching Watford for about the last, oh, I don't know, season would have known that. Um, and and it's been it's been beyond not math, not mathematics, but it's beyond reason for the last two months. We are we are absolutely shocking. We are less than the sum of our parts, definitely. Just to ask the same question to you, but I have a feeling you might agree with Peter's assessment. Um, well, I don't actually, because I think we've been looking like we could make the playoffs for, since New Year, really. Um, it's it's just been a, a tirade of poor, poor football players that don't look interested. They don't want to play as a team. Um, you know, the manage, management sort of merry-go-round doesn't help, but it's just been one of those seasons where you just think, ah, this, this is nothing in this. There's absolutely nothing in this. And yeah, I think Peter's being generous to say last few months, because really since sort of Christmas, New Year, I thought, ah, this isn't going anywhere. This, this, yeah, it's that bad. It really is that bad. It's funny because I don't know if this is a good thing for you. It's probably not, but obviously I do a preview show every single week. And I've kind of half looked forward to the Watford one because I can get my teeth into it. It's not just what form are you on, who's the best players, and it's like, what the hell's going on? Um... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, chaos. Chaos is the order of the day. Um, our our first manager of the season is now leading uh, leading Luton to uh, towards the promised land, trying to at least. Hopefully, if you guys get in there, Sunderland, do the decent thing and stop them. That's all we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, but he's doing he's doing a grand job. We brought in Slavin Bilic, who uh, had a couple of good moments, and then we we bounced off of him when things were looking incredibly dicey. Uh, with eleven games to go, um, Gino Pozzo, our uh, our owner, um, who has done some great things for Watford, but it's now like four years ago plus uh, since since that was the case. Um, then then opted across to Chris Wilder. Um, and he's come in and done absolutely nothing in terms of improving the results. The one thing he has done is actually talk to the underlying malaise 
the chronically bad dressing room, the culture at the club, and he's called it out because I think he knows he's on a temp contract and he's got no chance of it being extended. So out of all of the last 18 managers that we've had since the Pozzos came in, that's 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 18 in about 12, uh, about 11 years now, um, it, he's been the first person who has actually spoken out before signing a non-disclosure agreement and then just staying stum all the time. Um, and, and he basically did. He came out and said, this place needs a cultural you know, kind of reset. And that's how deep everything goes. Um, a lot of people, uh, and, and you'll know this, will, will come on and not know that much about the other club and will go, but Ishmael Asar, but Yao Pedro. And it's like, yeah, Ishmael Asar has been hugely underwhelming for the duration of his tenure. His stats kind of look reasonable, but he's produced those in the five seconds a game that he decides to turn up for. He can be devastating, but the rest of the 89 minutes, forget it. Yao Pedro is a fantastic player playing, doing great things in all of the wrong areas. So uh, no, we are, we are in free fall and the longer players come in and stay at the club, the more infected they become with the, uh, with, with the culture at the club. And thus, all of our January signings are already playing way below the level they were when they first came in as well. So, no, pretty deep-rooted. Yeah, it's really interesting because there'll be some fans who, you know, I don't want to remind ourselves of it, but, like, we've had that deep-rooted issue that just felt like eventually things were going to just crumble. So it doesn't sound too dissimilar because, like, you mentioned the word infected, and I think definitely is the the right word. It seems like it's on the verge of going septic at Watford, if I'm completely honest, from the outside looking in. But... Mm. um, just now, I'll check this one at you. Obviously, the last time I spoke to a Watford fan was two managers ago, but it's it's not that shocking if we're completely honest. And I think, you know, we'll start with the most recent one and, and Chris Wilder, Justin, to be honest, he's he's highly rated. He's had promotion from the championship before. And when I say it doesn't seem to have worked out, I want to allude to what Peter said a little bit before. I heard the um I heard his interview after the match when he kind of spoke out about the players and how basically they, they weren't essentially pulling their weight, is what he was saying essentially. Is the Chris Wilder era potentially going to be a good thing for Watford, even if it hasn't worked out on the pitch, because the fact he can quite obviously see the issues and he's seen it in the public domain? So Chris Wilder, I mean, there's there's sort of two schools of thought on Chris Wilder. There's the, thank God you called that out, Chris, because it's about time someone has done that, which is the, the school of thought I'm in. And the other school of thought is you've been terrible. You've only won one game or whatever it is out of the well, I can't, is it two wins how many wins he's won two. so he's two won two games out of seven or eight whatever it is and you know that's not good enough your job is to get us into the into the playoffs no one could get us into the playoffs you know Bobby Robson no one would have a bloody chance of getting us into the playoffs because those players aren't interested so what he's done in my opinion is he's gone right I'm going to tell you how it is here because no one else will basically you've got players that aren't interested you've got kind of you're bringing in the wrong players um, they're supposed to be good these players I'm not seeing it and as and as fans we're going brilliant well done Chris because we've been saying that for two years three years you know so thank you very much for, for coming out and saying that so I'm very much is, is his is his period in charge going to be you know um, worthwhile yeah and if it wakes up the powers that be to hang on you've now got a manager saying this then yeah it is going to be worthwhile but in terms of the football no improvement whatsoever in fact it's, it's arguably got worse um, so I thank him for, for speaking out personally, I think it's a good thing. I think um, it's refreshing to hear. You've got people on talks about like Simon Jordan going, oh, you know, that's just him covering up for not being a very good manager. And, uh, you know, he's he, he's failed and that's why he's... No, no, because others have done that. Roy Hodgson did that. Claudio Ranieri did that. They all sort of 
failed with the with the team and they didn't sit there going it's the players they just went well we go again you know so we're getting ranty aren't we we're getting really ranty on your podcast here we're just letting off some steam because it's been one of them seasons it really has it's been shit. You, you can tell Justin's in a punchy mood. He's quoting Bobby Robson on the Sunderland podcast. Nice no. one. That. <laughs> <laughs> shit, yeah, I should have done that, should I? Where, to be fair, he gets by. I think he's a well-legged guy all around. So you've got oh, away good, with it. Good stuff. I scraped it for you. Thank God for that. Got away with it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll I mean, stick to Kevin Keegan. No, let's not go there. Right, no, on. no, no, not that guy. Not that guy. <laughs> um, I think I'll, I'll stick with you on this one, Justin, because you, you, obviously you're saying about that. It feels apathetic in many ways. You mentioned ranty, but in many ways it sounds apathetic. And I think some of the fans will almost identify with it. But there is a game to be played on Saturday, which is obviously hugely important to us. And, and you know, the one thing, even when we played poorly this year or, or not got the result, our team spirit's been been excellent. So it almost feels like it's the opposite. So when it comes to Saturday, how are Watford fans feeling about the game? Obviously, you've said the season's kind of over, but for us, it's massively important. It's going to be packed. Like, is there a genuine concern? This could be quite bad, or are we being a little bit, am I being a little bit too confident here and listening to what you say? No. No, uh, you're not being confident, no. I mean, I would imagine that most of our people that were thinking of going probably aren't going to bother. If they haven't got a ticket already, I don't think they're going to bother going because it's a very long way from Watford to Sunderland. And the football is not going to improve now just because there's nothing on it. It's still going to be poor, um, you know. So I think you you can be confident that you, you know, as long as you play your game, as long as you kind of are... Uh, confident with the way that you play and you get it you get it in and as soon as we go down one that's it we're finished so I, I I'm I'm more than I I'm not a betting man but if someone gave me a tenner now I'd put it on Sunderland to win on Saturday that's how that's how clueless and just sort of not interested our team is now it could be because there's nothing on it that they go okay well look, what we'll do is we won't bother playing the uh the ones that you've been watching all season will put the kids in and the kids might actually put in a shift. I doubt it because there was rumours about that happening at Hull last week. Didn't happen. So it's just going to be, I just wish this season was over already. I really do. I just wish it was done. I can't even be asked to go on 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 uh, Bank Holiday Monday. I'm just like, do I, shall I, it's the last one of the season. I should, but I just can't be asked. I'd rather do something Great. else. Graham, you didn't know you were like the Sunderland branch of the Samaritans, did you, before we rang? It's not good. <laughs> it does feel um, like it a bit. It's filling me with far think, too much confidence. That's the biggest concern. Like, uh, I'm still uh, like, hang on a minute. Well, let me let me, let me me point at, at, at the potential dangers, right? Is that, uh, as you have looked at us, we've obviously looking at you guys. And when you study your home and away form, mm-hmm. your, home and aw- your home form is not nearly as impressive as your away form. You got you're on like 1.3 points per game as opposed to 1.6. You've had 10 wins away. You've had seven at home, eight draws, seven losses. Now, um, no, no, nobody denies that one. First of all, a lot of fans will come up because Sunderland out on on a weekend is a great night out, so they'll be there for that. Don't don't worry about that. Um, but the the Stadium of Light and Roker Park before it, which I remember, can work for and against a Sunderland team, and. Watford are capable of of getting a goal first. We've done that a number of times, and you know the 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 Roker roar as it was could either go could either boost the team or it could get on top of it. If we score first and you turn, that might be why sort of and I don't know if it is, but you tell me that might be why you're kind of evenish on on a home record, where it's so impressive away. And we've seen this with a number of teams. I mean, your your away record is right up there in the division, whereas your home record is lower down. 
Now, Watford will be coming along to, even if you do turn, make your merry weekend, I'm sure, because as Justin mentioned, the moment an opposition team score a goal, we are like a boxer with a glass chin. We flatten out. You see all of the arguments. You see all of the, you, you talked about, you know, kind of, having team spirit, you see the precise opposite. You see the toxicity that sits within the training camp and within the team group arguing amongst themselves. And we played Cardiff last Wednesday and it was, we we went one nil up with a lovely goal. All of the players that you see, you know, that, that lovely, you know, kind of highlights moment. You think, oh, great. That looked nice on Sky News. Um, and then with it between the 31st and 41st minute, we conceded three goals to Cardiff, who had only scored one goal away per you know uh, per game per season, you know, the whole of the season. We conceded three in ten minutes, and we just went completely to pot. And and that has been our problem because when that descent starts, it's like a spiral, and we haven't found a manager yet that can do anything about it in game or even between games. I'll stick with that. You know what's funny? Like I wrote down a question here. I'll, I'll read it word for word. What I wrote that obviously patience isn't a word that you associate with the Watford hierarchy, and it wasn't that long ago. Like I said, where something more in similar vein, where we were second like managers, maybe not quite as frequently, but a little bit too frequently. And then from the outside looking in, you go, "Well, okay, that must be the issue." But over the first sort of 10, 15 minutes of me listening to you, is it doesn't seem to be the trigger happy mismanagement from above. That's the main issue. It seems to be the players on the pitch. So, so Peter, is it is it too easy for outside fans to look at the the mismanagement above and just say, well, it's their fault. Is that actually the players on the pitch? Because that's the one that Wilder pinpointed, to be fair to him. One is a symptom, the other is the cause. You know, mm-hmm. the, the symptom is that players, fundamentally, I mean, if you, I or Justin, if we work somewhere and we were incredibly well paid and you got to do sod all but still get paid, and they just said, by the way, every, every three months, the person in charge of you is going to come along and change just carry on doing what you're doing. Don't worry. There's no material difference. You'll still get paid. They'll just change. What do you do? You do absolutely sod all. You'd sit on your jack, you know, you'd sit on your ass and not, and not do anything. And that is the culture that has been created from those on high, from those at the top. The recruitment has been subpar. It has been, um, you know, we've got, we're dependent on loan players at this moment in time. And that's fine. We've had some, what, what would look like feasibly reasonable players. But because we've gone from one manager to another manager to another manager to another manager, we've ended up with this hybrid of lots of regimes. You know, I talk about Ishmael Assar. In fairness to him, in the four seasons he's been here, he has had 11 coaches. Only one season has he had less than three coaches. And that was the season we went up and he did all right. In. Every other every other season, he has had three or more coaches. And that's not even including interims, right? So if, if you can imagine how dysfunctional you get to be, and there has been a huge disconnect between the top of the club and the recruitment and the head coaches. So those head coaches who've come in have fundamentally not been supported. And we go back quite some way here. Um, but I mean, even if we just look at, at this season, we started off with the aforementioned Rob Edwards, who's doing a good job at Luton Town. Fair play to him. We can't, no, we actually refer to him as Rob sometimes, and he's our arch rivals manager. That says about how kind of sympathetic we actually feel towards him, even though he's doing well. He wants to play a 3 5 2. He's gone to a club who've recruited him because he plays a 3 5 2. He needed a right wing back. Would we buy him one? Would we bugger? No, we fired him after 11 games because not everything was rosy. He'd lost two games in the league, three in total over 11 games. Not really sacking behaviour. 
but this was because there was problems in the boardroom. One, it looked like the CEO and chairman wanted him and the owner really didn't. The owner is the person who basically doesn't sit on the board of the club, but makes the firing and firing decisions if he wants to. He does that. We bring in Slavin Bilic, who wants to play four at the back. What do we sign? We sign a right wing back from Portugal. So it's like, well, what? why are you doing that? Why aren't you signing what the manager is requiring and the pattern that he wants to play in? And it's fundamentally all the way through this disconnect goes at almost every stage between the supporters and the first team and the first team and the board. That's 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 the problem with it. So, uh, yeah, it, if we get a win, there will be nothing more Watfordy than actually not expecting anything, as Justin said, and actually turning up and, and doing something. But these guys have got, we've got skillful players, but they have got so little courage, so little moral fibre about them. They just turf up and collect their wages. That's That's all we've seen. That's all we've seen. And a lot of us have been arguing, you know, give them time, give them time, give them time. They've had all the time in the world and and they just basically rack up and and and, and don't don't provide and don't do anything. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't allude to when Sunderland had this, but there's the name Jack Rodwell smacks of a lot of things you've just said. I think you just put a different a different player on it and you haven't got a Netflix series by the sounds of it. That's the only difference between us. Oh, and that's 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 the one that's that's the one silver lining. We don't have that. That's yeah. it. You don't want it, trust me. Um, no, I know, I know. <laughs> Justin, you, we touched on Rob Edwards there. The last time I had a, a Watford fan on the preview show, Rob Edwards was the manager, and it was like, well, yeah, it's not been perfect, but, you know, I have a feeling that he's going to keep him in charge, and then, lo and behold, three or four months down the line, under the third manager, Rob Edwards's Luton side came up against us the other week, and to be fair, they weren't as good as I thought they were going to be, but they were they were a decent side, and you can mm-hmm. see why they're in, a, in and around where they should be, Justin, but... They're flying high, third in the league. They're going to get in the playoffs, have confirmed it. You know, potentially might even be playing also, or Coventry potentially could even be at Wembley. They're currently flying with a manager who started the season with you lot. I don't know the full ins and outs of why he was sacked, how fans felt about him outside of what Peter's just said there. But but how much of that situation that your rivals are flying high with a manager that you sacked because he lost three games in 11 sums up Watford as a football club right now? Um, It's probably sums us up perfectly i mean it's horrible it's a horrible thing to to watch um because obviously you know they are our bitter rivals and they you know when when he went to luton a lot of people were saying oh you know i sod him or whatever i said no 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 Do you know what we we absolutely you know did a real disservice to him he's a young manager he doesn't owe us anything good luck to him i you know and, and i genuinely wish him good luck um but but when he was when he was sacked, it was a massive shock because there was no kind of normally when when Watford are going to let a manager go, you kind of feel it or you read things or you hear things or you hear about other managers sniffing around or you think oh, he's he's not got long. That was a massive shock, a huge shock, and we we do uh, a lot of things on Twitter called Twitter Spaces where we basically open Twitter up and people can suck a phone in. And it was um, it was a Monday afternoon at lunchtime when it happened, and and Peter texted me and say Edwards is gone and they're bringing in Billish and I was like what so we opened a space up and for two hours we had people coming on going can't believe it don't know what he's done wrong you know sometimes when managers go we'll do something and and, you know people go I was expected he was you know when Odgson went there was almost street parties around this way um so so when when Edwards went it was a massive like shock and um 
at the time that that kind of really started a lot the whole pot sale out thing amongst um our listeners it was like that's the final straw now that's it uh little did they know that so much more was to come from the owners to to make you not like them um yeah. so yeah no i, I think it was a, a huge shock that, that rob edwards went i still wish him all the best i think he's you know i'm not quite sure how much of an effect he's had on Luton. I wonder whether he's riding a little bit on the coattails of what Nathan Jones left behind. We'll find out next season, uh, particularly if they get promoted. Um, quite how much the Rob effect is is um, is part of it. But yeah, no, it's it's you know it's a real kick in the balls when something like that happens. It's not it's not great. Got to say, yeah. 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 In fairness, in, in fairness, the the football under Rob Edwards wasn't startling. wasn't great. Um, uh, it was fairly dysfunctional. Um, but but you know if you looked at it statistically it wasn't that bad um but the thing that did you know and it he's absolutely justin's absolutely right we had a lot of people ringing in and go right that's it end of and then you go oh it's Slaven Bilic and your natural football supporting instinct is going I wonder if that's a trade-up. I wonder if we're going to do something. I wonder if he's going to help fix it and you start thinking positively but everybody looked at Rob Edwards going and was just like um, it, it just seemed inexplicable. But what was even more important about his sacking and why everybody reacted like this, because you go, well, why would you react like that? You, you, you're firing everybody every three months, you just said, Pete. We have been told by the CEO, remember when I said about there was a disconnect at the top of the, the top of the club, that the signing of this young progressive manager who just won League Two with Forest Green Rovers signalled a change of culture and that the club had learnt about the problems of the hiring and the firing and doing things the wrong way. And what he was going to be was this cultural architect was going to walk us all the way forward. And we all went brilliant because that's what we want. Because funnily enough, it's not that great. If every single time you see anybody who doesn't support Watford, they immediately come back and go, oh, you sacked your manager today. You know, you go, yeah, 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 yeah. Cause you're not the first person to say it today. Um, you know, so you want to see a change. You want to see a regularity. You want to see, uh, some strange things going on with loans just being you know just play it straight if you can um however exactly what justin said there we were coming out of pre-season and to be honest with you we looked we looked limp and unfit genuinely we did and i don't think we've ever recovered from that and i think that is on rob edwards and i think a pre-season he comes across as a really nice you know telegenic fellow when we first signed him sky even started sending better looking reporters because they all look like uglies next to this model like bloke um so you know he was he was fired because he was making everybody else look ugly um but the, the you know the we had all of this stuff to go there but we weren't that fit. We weren't that impressive. But really, just give the guy time and give him the tools to play the way he, he wants to play. You know, he, we were playing for those first 11 games with a an absolute left-sided left wing back playing at right wing back. He just couldn't do anything. And he kept doing it. And you just wondered sometimes whether or not that was, you know, sometimes managers pick certain players as a message to the board. You wondered, don't know. But anyway, they haven't improved it since, most, most certainly. It's weird they haven't to be able to do a podcast and very rarely do you go, right, well, that was manager one, two and three done. Let's go into manager four. And I know it's actually technically been three, but... Um, <laughs> you say it's unusual. It's our life. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's funny because, and again, I don't want to allude back to something, but it wasn't that long ago, things were like, we were in the Premier League and, and managers were changing, chopping and changing and they'd come and they'd go and 11 games in, they'd keep us up and then they'd go and then they'd not start the season very well, then they'd change, then they'd keep us up and it would just kind of go into the spiral and eventually it became a double relegation, which was unfortunate, annoying, documented on, like I say, a TV show and now we're coming back, now we actually mm. really, really enjoyed the season and 
And we spoke a little bit beforehand, Peter, about um, obviously Sunderland's season. And, and I think the beauty about the game on Saturday, and look, trust me, I really pray to God that we win both games and we're in this playoffs because what a ride it's been and what a brilliant season it's been. But worst case scenario, we don't make it. There's not one Sunderland fan I can think of, and not that I can speak for everyone, but that would be massively disappointed with the season. It's been phenomenal. And the biggest thing about that is the team spirit's back and the amount of injuries and suspensions and the fact our manager walked out and yet we've still managed to get a chance at the playoffs of two games to go is just absolute testament of the way the, the players have worked and, and the manager has. But that's me speaking as a fan. Ultimately, I'm obviously very, very happy with it. But but Peter, obviously, from what you've seen of Sunderland, does it feel a little bit the opposite what's happening at your club? What have you made of our season? Well, I think when we saw kind of, you know, Tony Mowbray coming in, um, it, it felt, I, I imagine, like most people would have looked at it and gone, okay, fair enough. Fairly uninspiring, but safe pair of hands, progressive yep. manager, did good things with Blackburn over a period of years. Wasn't expecting him to turn around and kind of get you where you were, to be honest with you. So I think fair, absolutely fair play to him. I think um, in terms of uh, how you have coped with the loss of Ross Stewart, because when we've looked at doing these previews, you know, he is the first person you would be thinking about, but obviously you've dealt really well without him. Um, and the, the the couple of things that, for me, have I thought been really impressive was you signed Jack Clark from from Spurs, having had him on loan. He'd done a little bit around. And, and he's one of those players. I think he's only about 22 now, but he is going to be some player in the next two or three seasons when he kind of, when he fills out that little bit more, when he becomes that little bit more mature. But even so, his goal contributions have been outstanding. I know, I, I, from what I understand, I think he kind of splits the audience in terms of being frustrated at him. But we've, uh, we'll show you, we'll show you some some wingers that will frustrate you. Trust me, and they'll cost you a lot more than than you got him from from Tottenham for. So I think that's good. I think the other thing um, uh, for me is a, uh, I, I I really liked, um, and I'm <laughs> talking about other things. I always really liked Aidan McGeady. And when he came to you guys, and I appreciate again, another one will split the room or what have you, but he found a home at Sunderland seemingly and really kind of had the Indian summer. And I think the fact that you've gone hold of Patrick Roberts, who has done this meandering around from Celtic to Man City to Fulham to all over the place and never found, he looks like he's found a home. And there's two players that would be, you know, considered, you know, young premiership player pushes into the championship to kind of kickstart his career and Patrick Roberts finding a home. I think those are, I think those are two inspired signings personally. I think those were, those, those were really good. And you can only imagine if you had had Ross Stewart available quite where you might've been. I think so, no, no, very, very, very impressed. Well. And of course we at Watford also, um, you know, the, 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 the one Academy player who scored for Watford. I mean, we signed, uh, we signed, Samba Longa the other day, but it was Luco nine when he scored in he scored an own goal. A lot of people have got a lot of time for that young man because he came in. We were in the Premiership. He he had a couple of appearances, and he went off to go and play at Wickham, and he's come up to you guys and seems to be, you know, I think a lot of people will have looked at him in League One and gone, really, I'm not sure if he's going to make the jump, but he appears to be doing that. So uh, so there's there'll be a lot of people who have got a lot of time for that young man. Yeah, we, we it's hard. Press to find someone who doesn't like Luka Nineties, and I think I, I read something the other day. It's almost eight years to the day since he was released from Watford, and I've seen a lot of Watford fans underneath in 2015 commenting about how professional and what a pro he was, and how they think Watford will come to regret that. And um, it's funny seeing eight years later him as a 27 year old. He's a model pro, professional, great guy. 
he always came across as the as and and has come across since because kind of looked at art and followed him as somebody who is delighted to be a professional footballer. Mm-hmm. He comes across like a lottery winner. He can't believe his luck, and he's almost living it for everybody else. And we have had so many players that this year who look like, oh my god, you're going to give me how much money? Oh, I'm going to have to mm-hmm. buy a bigger wheelbarrow to carry that around. Oh. And like the weight of the show, he just looks an absolute joy and couldn't be happier for him that again like McGeady, like Roberts he seems to be finding somewhere that's uh that's that's really home to him and of course if you can get those 40,000 plus roaring them on and supporting them you know who knows where you guys could go I think Lugo 9 is maybe I mentioned Jack Rodwell before is kind of the the poster boy for what you're mentioning is going on at Watford at the moment I think uh Lugo 9 is kind of the antidote to everything that those type of players were and obviously I think for any club especially if, unless it's Newcastle um, going through the struggles that you're going through I think eventually you want to see that not happen because ultimately it's everything football's not about in my opinion anyway and, you know obviously after Saturday which I wish you no luck for at all um, I wish you a lot of luck after that and getting out of it because when you do it feels very nice but I'm going to bring you down to one more negative before we do go Um Justin, you obviously you don't feel very confident going in. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't think it's an easy game at all. And I don't think any Sunderland fan thinks, despite the disparities between what's going on at both clubs, that it's an easy game because 90 minutes is 90 minutes. Um, but if Sunderland are to beat Watford on Saturday, which God, I hope we do, where are Watford most likely to lose the game? Where are we most likely to get at you and where are you weakest? Um. I think I think just going at us will frighten us. To be honest, um, we don't really like teams. I think that kind of have a go at us. And, and like I say, you've only got to get like a direct free kick that goes in, or a set piece that goes in, or a penalty. You just got to nip ahead, and that'll be game over for us. We don't know how to um, play in a in a losing position. It's just their heads go. So I think as long as you're positive and you you know you stop delivering nice free kicks and dead balls and whatever, um, and, and put Backman under pressure. Backman doesn't like coming off his line. Um, so, you know, as long as you can kind of make Backman come away from his line, he's terrible. He's not, he doesn't command his box. So what I think I'm trying to say is anywhere on the pitch, really, that you fancy, uh, you will be able to be better than us if you just put your mind to it. That's basically it. I, I honestly can't wait to see the end of this season. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, someone I know shall we say, uh, has got a, a fire stick that I can watch it on. And uh, I'm not sure I can be bothered, to be honest with you. I really think I, I'd rather go to Primark on Saturday. That's saying something. So <laughs> there we go. That's me. <laughs> I kind of just in his head of enthusiasm, by the way, he'll be noted. Yeah, so. I know. I can suck the joy out of a room instantly. Just talk to me about Watford and I suck the air out of the room. It's. Uh... I think, yeah, I didn't we, enjoy we, for We've, we've also fans. got... <laughs> We've also got if if you you'll be coming across Kamara, who is the left wing back, who is playing right wing back at the start of the season, as a, a as playing as a left back, he is a liability. He can be good going forward, and he could be good defensively, but he's so prone to push on that somebody like Roberts is going to basically go, all right, I'll sit here and I'll cheat for two minutes, and I'll get the ball, and then I'm going to be attacking the the back line. I'm going to be pulling out the left side centre back a guy called Wesley Hoot, if he's playing. Um, it might be even Cabaselli, in which case, crikey, all your Christmases have come early. Um, <laughs> and and then basically destroys down that side because that's happened a number of times. Um, and the fans can see it, but seemingly the coaches don't understand that. 
the fact that if you're a left back, it's different to being a left wing back and you've got to change it. Um, Justin's absolutely right. Once we concede, it's all, all of those arguments and issues come up straight away. Uh, as he said, Backman will stay on his line come what may. And we've got uh, Porteous and Hoot who've been reasonably reasonably okay but they, they they seem to have been infected we've got a young right back in uh, in Ryan Andrews um, who was the uh, the son of one of our former players who's making a fine fist of things down the right so you know even if things go a little bit uh, tits up for him we'll we'll still be we, we won't worry about that Hamza Chowdhury in the middle um, is on loan from Leicester and he's great at picking up the ball, but he's also fantastic at immediately giving back to a red and white shirt on Saturday. Um, he's not good in possession at all. And when we go up front, there is little or no movement. We insist on playing one up front, come what may. And we make sure that uh, Yao Pedro drops into deep midfield where he's he'll take on players and he will look amazing. But you'll go, yeah, but you've got another four or five players to try to run past. You ain't going to make it. And he doesn't. Then you pick up the ball. Then you attack the left back. That's how you win. That's feel, exactly it. I feel like the predictions is kind of almost pointless here because A, I always get them wrong and B, I know what's coming from you lot, but we've got three minutes left and we always do it, so why not? Um, I'll go first. I've got to go confident. One thing I will say is if we don't win on Saturday, it's been a great season. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, but I think we will win. Um, I think it might be nervier than you guys might think. So I'll, I'll say 2-1. But it is a confident 2-1. It's not a hopeful one for once. But um, I'll come to you next. Peter, what's your what's your scoreline prediction? I think it'll be 3-1. We have the capability of getting goals, but we we don't know how to shut up shop. Uh, Justin said that, you know, we don't know how to play, you know, uh, once, we're, once we're defeated. We also don't know how to play when we're winning. So 3-1. Yes, now I'll ask for yours as well, but I have a feeling I know where yep. it's going to go. <laughs> Well, I just want to do the reverse of what you said. Uh, regardless of the score, it's been a terrible season. Uh, I haven't enjoyed it. Um, and, and, and I hope it finishes soon. Um, us scoring a goal, let's think, probably not. Let's go 2-0 Sunderland. Uh, I, I can't even see a scoring, to be honest. I think I, I just it's just so beyond us to go to the stadium of light and play well. It's, it's beyond us. So 2-0 to Sunderland. Enjoy the game because you're going to win. There you go. Lads, I would love to say it's been enjoyable, but it's never nice to hear football fans as sad as you two are. But thanks for coming Mate, on and trying. It's what we do. <laughs> we built our podcast. I'm, I'm perfectly happy. I was there in the 90s. I know it can be rubbish, but hey-ho, it is what it is, isn't it? I mean, your guys, let's face it, you guys have gone through bloody to hell and back. You know, yeah. you've kind of jumped off a tall building. You're just about to smack into the floor and somebody's opened a trap door and goes, no, you can go further. You're on the way back up. Enjoy it. It's all cyclical. It'll come round. Don't worry about it. Just enjoy Saturday and get behind them. Perfect. Lads, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Pleasure. No worries. Cheers, Graham. Take care now.